Jesus' name. Well, let's make this confession. The Word of God. Word of God is true. It's true. If I live the word, if I live the word, I will be blessed. I will be blessed. If I don't, if I don't, I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 says, "Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, and that we as believers are steadfast, immovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord." What are we? Steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's not bad, but what are we? Steadfast, Steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The faith, tenacious faith, is what we need in this world today, honey. And we're going to pray for our country. Our country is in trouble. If it were a ship, it's listing, but it is not sunk. It is not sinking, but this election could be the final straw, especially with the Supreme Court justices that are going to be approved by perhaps the, the, the Congress and all that are recommended by the new president. The abortion issue should be number one on every single Christian, evangelical, or whatever. You would have to be brain dead not to know about the abortion issue. And the other issue is the sanctity of marriage in this nation. If you believe the Word of God, you should vote the Word of God. And we need a president, whether it be a man or a woman, who will stand up and declare the principles and the Word of God for this nation. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will weigh in on this election. The supernatural move to make sure that the person you want gets in that White House. It is not a politician that's going to change this nation. It's not a Congress. It's not a Supreme Court justice. It is a move of God, a move on your behalf to change this nation and bring every single person to their knees. We pray. We humble ourselves and pray, and we declare, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the apathy of the Christians and especially the 20 million plus evangelicals who sat on their butts last time the election came. Excuse me for using that word. They sat down and they sat out. Lord, let them get up and shout out and get to the poll and vote the Word of God. And we declare it. We thank you for it. Lord, uncover everything that is hidden that needs to be uncovered. Let the swamp and the cesspool be drained <laughs> in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. sorry for that word. I think it's just B-U-T, like a conjunction. Okay, sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you, are, you, are you sure you want to be up here with me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know yes, of course I do. You know, the, the, I'm used <laughs> to you. <laughs> The word of the Lord uh, tonight is, is, is never give up and never let go. And if you look at my outline, it's got exclamations marked after every one of them. Never give up and never let go. If you know what God says, if you, maybe you're not sure what God is saying to you about the situation, but you know what the word of God says, so you're going to stand on the written word of God. But then once you know the written word of God and what the Bible says, and once you know what God has shown you in your spirit, then you don't let go. You are like that bulldog. You lock on and you do not let go of what the word of God says. If the word of God says you're healed, the issue is healed. If the word of God says you're blessed, then you are blessed. If the word of God, whatever the word of God says in the written word and whatever it says in this journal that you all should carry. And if you're not carrying a journal 
of the, of the word of God that he is speaking to you. And if you're not recording what God is showing you, I guarantee you, you're hitting and missing what God wants in your heart. You carry a journal. I carry a journal. I would not leave in my car without this journal. I leave my cell phone a lot, which, by the way, after church, I'm going home and watch the World Series, so I won't be available by cell phone because I've forgotten and left my cell phone at home. My wife gets so upset with me when I don't carry my cell phone. I know what it is. It's separation anxiety. She doesn't like to, to admit it, but she wants to hear my voice. She wants to hear it. So anyway, I did, I, I did leave it at home, okay? okay. So, okay. all right. What do you want to share? Well, you know, when uh, Pastor Bill was talking about this message, and I have to call him Pastor Bill because I guess the other day I was back in the, the kitchen before service, and I, I was talking about Bill, and I said Bill and Bill and Bill, and after I left the room, <laughs> Hudson said, and if you know Hudson, he's, he's like four, and uh, he, he just loves Pastor Bill, and he doesn't like anybody in Pastor Bill's office because that's Pastor Bill's office, and you, you can't go in there without permission. And, uh, and so he, when I left the room, he goes, his name is Pastor Bill. Oh, Hudson's, Hudson says. <laughs> like I had just been disrespectful to the man. Hallelujah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so I got to get back on the Pastor Bill routine here. But I was thinking, I don't know why this came to me, but have you ever felt, you know, in your life, if you've ever watched a bull rider, you know, uh, out in Tulsa, bull riding was, you know, something that happened. And, uh, you know, cowboys and the whole thing. And, and some of my daughter's friends even did that kind of thing, bull riding and, and barrel riding, you know, where they try to do that on the horses. And, and so uh, I don't know why it popped in my mind. I don't watch bull riding. Uh, because Fox News is always on my television. But anyway, uh, <laughs> bull riding is not Fair my... and balanced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, people on a bull are not very balanced. And so I don't know why today I was looking at videos of people riding a bull, and you have like, um, you have eight seconds you have to stay on that bull uh, in order to win. And also, you can only hold on with one hand. And... You know, when those guys come off, that bull, even its horns hit him. And one guy got knocked unconscious just from the horn of the bull while he was on it. Then he flew off of it, and then the bull stepped on him. And I thought, yeah, that's what life's like sometimes. Have you ever been there? I mean, and I, I don't know why, but it's like when, when the enemy comes on a, a, an onslaught against us, it's, it's like you're riding a bull. You know, you're like in, and those bulls are very strong. I mean, they put those hind legs up, and if you see the still shot, you know they're almost like this way, almost perpendicular to the ground. They can throw their their backside up that eye, and of course that throws the rider right into those horns. And uh, I I thought some days I feel like I have not lasted the eight seconds, <laughs> and I'm under the bull, you know, that is now angry uh, at me. Besides. You know, I'm, I'm off, but he's still mad that I rode on it. And I feel like the enemy is doing that, uh, you know, every day. Uh, and it's always been like this. We've been in ministry 40 years. Uh, we've seen attacks of the enemy, but they have definitely intensified against families, uh, against marriages, uh, against uh, young women with children by themselves um, and children, you know, situations with children that, uh, used to be like you would have those situations, but they weren't like one right after another. And uh, 
I believe we have work to do as the body of Christ. We have authority. We have power. We have the ability. But I understand wanting to give up. I understand wanting to just, you know, if I was a bull rider, I, I probably wouldn't even get on it. But, you know, when you're on it, you have to ride it or find a way to get off it and get in a safe place because it, it's it harm. There's harm in those situations. And so when, when he mentioned this message, I thought, you know, that, that's where we are uh, in our nation. I mean, it's like we are in a fight uh, against a force of evil. Just say evil. It, it, we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is evil, and it is the devil. And he is using every tactic that he can to get us, even in the body of Christ, to let go of what we have heard God tell us. And in my Bible, it says we win. I mean, bottom line, we win. I don't know what day we win. I mean, I even said to my husband this morning, I, 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 I just give up or something. And so today when I said to him, uh, I said, well, if you want me to, I'll preach with you tonight. Because he asked me, and I don't, I usually, since I've started playing, I don't volunteer. And uh, I said, I will. And he said, nope, you're going to have to sit and listen. <laughs> Because I said I gave up this morning. I but said you need to. Then he said, you no, you, sit, need to, you need to preach. You need it. to sit and take notes. Take notes, yeah. And then he, then, I, then he said, no, maybe you need to help me preach it. Maybe you do. And uh, this morning I heard God say, stop fretting. Everybody say fretting. Now, I always thought fretting was worrying. But fretting, listen to fretting, because this is what fretting is. The action of wearing away. When we fret, it's the enemy wearing away our endurance, our ability to stand. And, and you know, it's, it's not like we're fearful, but we're fretting. We're, we're thinking about things that we really can't in the natural fix, but we're fretting about them. And some of them don't even ever happen. But they're wearing away. It's the enemy. And it said, uh, it's, it's a, a wearing away. One place it says, that the water fretted uh, a change in the course of the water. You know, like it, it just it wore away at a place so much so that it changed the whole course of the water. And when you're in a fretting mode, that's the wrong time to make a decision because you're going to make a decision to try to stop whatever it is that, you know, has got a hold of you. And so um, it, I really took that to heart when I heard that in the park this morning. You know, Lord, forgive me for fretting because I do fret over those things that seem so uh, overpowering. I've had to say many times this week, I don't have the answer. Uh, I know that Jesus does, and I know it looks impossible, but it's okay. But see, when you're asleep, about three or four in the morning, things that you couldn't fix, they come alive because they never got resolved. And that is when I fret. Is it three or four in the morning? Those things come back up. And how many of you know when you're tired, then you don't have, you know, it's, it's harder to get past it. Maybe I'm just speaking to the women, none of the men. The men are looking at me like, what? You know, <laughs> like my husband looks at me at three or four when I wake him up and say, this is bothering me. But everybody, I think, is subject What'd to the say? enemy. What do you say? When I wake you up and you try to figure out what's wrong with me, he goes like this. Honey, just turn your mind off. Turn your mind off. Mind, go to sleep. <laughs> and off he goes in a never, never land again. But I didn't, I didn't think you'd been hearing me. That is what I said. <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh, I'm hearing you. But everybody say fret. fret. Say don't fret. don't fret. Psalm 37 says do not fret. It causes harm. And the harm it causes is wears away our faith. It wears away our ability to stand right when we need to be standing the firmest in the situation. That's interesting because I was reading the 37th Psalm. The Lord has had me in there just almost every day really? reading. Are you a fretter? Uh, no. I know. The, your sister called me today, uh-huh. uh, uh, Lisa, oh. and, and I told her, I said, Lisa, you need to read the 37th Psalm every day. Every day get up and read the 37th Psalm. We'll see if she does it. But I was just looking here at fret, the word shara. That means to be displeased, eventually you grieve, and then eventually you become incensed. In other words, in other words, you, you, it, it, in addition to what you said, it, 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 it's something that has not gone the way you've wanted it to go, and then the mind kicks in, and then you think about why it doesn't go the way it wants you to go, and then you you grieve upon the way it doesn't want you to go, and then you don't sleep good. And this is I'm just okay. Back to the outcome. <laughs> now, if you're not going to if you're not going to give up, and if you're not going to let go, then you got to finish it. You're not yeah. going to give up, and you're not going to let go of what? What is it? What are you going to hang on to? Otherwise, you'll focus upon that thing that you're getting ready to let go of and you're getting ready to to give up on. In other words, we all know that, okay, all of our children are going to serve the Lord and God wants you to be blessed financially and God wants me to have wisdom and all these kind of things. And then when you don't see it, then you start to let go of it instead of holding on to it. What are you holding on to? And a lot of times people will say, well, I don't want to do that, da, 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 and I don't want to give the exact example, but what we were talking about just earlier, somebody was telling me why they didn't think they could do something, and I don't know, but the time I think is becoming shorter and shorter and shorter to hear everybody talk about all their problems. Turn to your name and say, he's talking to you now. Oh. We're never told to describe the mountain. We're told to speak to the mountain. Uh, uh, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. Be removed. Be cast into the sea and don't doubt. Don't just say, oh, the mountain's big and it's getting bigger and it's crushing me and I feel bad about myself and I feel bad about the world and I feel bad about everything. So what's your point? I mean, you know, that is just the, the fact in the natural realm, but in the supernatural realm, what are we holding on to? We holding on to the Word of God. Somebody was telling me some things, and I said, have you prayed? What is the Holy Spirit telling you? Because everything you're telling me is irrelevant. That's what you see. It's giving glory to the devil. The only thing that is relevant is what are you holding on to? What is the thing that you are tenacious about? What is the Word of God saying to you? And then sometimes you hear, well, I don't know. Then don't leave home without it. You need the wisdom of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit because God has told us through Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, and I know you hear this all the time in this church, especially for me, but Matthew 4, 4 says that you should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is the written word in the Bible, and that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. John sixteen thirteen says that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth, so he'll show you everything you need to do. Romans eight fourteen says that the sons and daughters of God are led by the Holy Spirit. And then if you look at John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, and I know I'm going fast, but I just want to get all this down for you here. It says, if, if, if whatever you desire when you pray, whatever you ask when you pray, whatever you desire when you pray, it, Jesus will do that for you. If you abide in the word, I'm saying that all wrong. John 15, 7, if you abide 
in me. In me, and the word abides in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear fruit. That doesn't mean God works for us. It means whatever God tells us in that situation, that's the way it is, and we're not going to let go. And the word ask means to put a demand on. We're not demanding from God, but if you walk into a bank and say, I'm giving you a piece of paper and I am asking for my money, you are telling them and putting a demand to withdraw that money. You have a heavenly bank account, and God wants you to put a demand on that heavenly bank account. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to tell you what my mind sometimes thinks because that just gives glory to the devil. I'm going to tell you I have the mind of Christ, and I'm going from glory to glory. And when we do that, we really uh, uh, actually renew our mind continually by meditating the Word of God, which is exactly what God told Joshua. You know, we can't, uh, in the day we're living in, I think we cannot afford to let a thought stay in our mind. Uh, They're going to come, but we cannot afford to, like the word says, meditate them anymore. And meditate uh, means that we're thinking more about the the problem than the solution. Uh, You know, you can tell, I think, by the countenance on people's face oftentimes. I know on mine, I'm sure on yours, whether we're meditating the Word of God, or whether we're meditating something that the enemy's trying to attack us with, some thought uh, that he wants us to meditate on until it becomes greater than the solution in our mind. Say, it's never greater. It's never greater. You know, this is what it says in Second Corinthians, uh, that what we see is temporal. And that's, you know, when you're saying never give up or never let go, it has a lot to do with sight. And so when we see it the way God sees it, then our the encouragement comes from what God sees, not from what we see. And so it says in 2 Corinthians, this has been a scripture that I've had in my life for a long time, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. And it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. I know we know that part, do not lose heart, and the temporal, you know, is subject to change. But listen to this sentence. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And I felt like the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit is always renewing the inner man. So there's something in there to draw on all the time because the Holy Spirit is always sharing with us what God's saying. So in inside, there's always the solution, uh, which may not be uh, the solution the way we see it, like immediate, like Monroe. The, the solution is already working because the Holy Spirit's working. But we may not have the full understanding of that, but we have enough that God's working in us, that we're being renewed. If we're being renewed inside day by day, our outward man is perishing day by day. What does that mean? The outward man is not the one that controls your life. The inward man is the one that controls our life. And if we're drawing on the inward man, the outward man will perish because the outward man looks at what the outward man sees. But the inward man looks at what the word of God is. Does that make sense? So our outward man is perishing in that we're not believing what we see. But we're believing what we're being renewed by day by day on the inside. 
but we have to be in a position for that to be uh, that renewal to be going on so that means the word of god is what really renews us so we have to be meditating on those things that the holy spirit's putting in us every day in other words when when i get up in the morning when you get up in the morning the spirit of god is awake in us all the time and so the spirit of god is always renewing us every morning the spirit of god's doing something on the inside of us to bring us through that day but our outward man has to perish for that renewal to take effect otherwise we're we're holding it back by what we're thinking about does that make sense and so when it says do not lose heart even though your outward man is perishing, even though you can't figure it out, even though things aren't going the way you think, the inward man is being renewed, is being built up, is made stronger. And then for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What's happening? We're losing in our sight, but we're gaining in God's. And so if we gain in God's sight, we'll become stronger. Our natural man will become weaker but our natural man needs to become weaker because our inner man is the one that knows the truth does that you know because we are spirit soul and body we are three-part being and if that inward man is not controlling the outward then the outward is losing because the outward man cannot win over the works of the enemy only what's on the inside of us can overcome praise god the the word of god the the new testament uh, about two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. And if you ever study Paul, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 11, 1, somewhere around in there. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and the Word of God that Paul wrote is, is phenomenal. You just never see him negative. Everything is positive based on fear. I walk by faith, not by sight. Scriptures that we all quote, Philippians 4.13, 4.19, uh, that, that uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, he goes on then to say that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. We love to quote those scriptures. He was in a Roman prison as he wrote most of these epistles, in a Roman prison, probably being beaten, we don't know, being starved, suffering, and he's saying my God will supply all of my needs. He was in prison when that was happening. Paul, I mean, just, just look at Paul's biographical sketch here. Paul was imprisoned in more than one Roman prison. He was blinded. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He got beat, bit, uh, bit by a snake. Paul had all sorts of things happen to him, but he never gave them a chance to meditate on those things. He said what happened. It's recorded, but he always gave the glory to God right in the midst of all of it. Because I believe he knew that if he didn't keep his mind renewed to the spirit, then he would go the opposite direction. And many people spend, and I know it sounds like I'm being hard on people sometimes, but turn to your neighbor and say, no, he's not. But when people start to tell you how bad everything is, and, and they're anxious, and they're fearful, and they're doubting, and oh, it's me, and all this kind of stuff, it's like, what is your point? Because you're going downhill into the abyss, the devil is taking you and he's going to kill, steal, and to destroy because the devil is very good at what he does. He's very good at tormenting minds. The mind that allows it to be tormented, now this is why I said you got to really like me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you just have to really like him. 
the person who allows their mind to be tormented, tormented is the problem. If you blame the problem on the devil, you will continue with the tormented mind. But if you will come to the realization that if my mind is tormented, it's because I am allowing the devil to do it. He comes and fires fiery darts to try to get us to think what we shouldn't think. But the Word of God says that we present our body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service, and that we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind to the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So each morning when we get out of bed, how many of you here when I said this, we jump out of bed and we declare, this is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. Isn't there a song that goes like that? Mm-hmm. This is the day. That's it. Oh, wait till tomorrow morning comes. Oh, not tomorrow morning. I'm going to be up late tonight. Glory to God. We'll do that some <laughs> other time. But, but when you get out of bed, how many of you not morning? He sings that it'll be mid-morning. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pick up. My grandson talked me, and he, they, they have a thing every year where they shadow. And uh, ended up tomorrow morning, I have to pick him up early in the morning after a late game tonight. Glory to God. You'd think I was pitching or something. But anyway... <laughs> But let's all say, I am responsible responsible. for my mind. mind. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you've just identified the problem. (laughs) Honey, we really are. There there are some people that I I don't understand how it works, but if you yield to the Spirit then the situation of, you know, of what I wrote in the notes here. So, so Paul's situation in writing two-thirds of the Testament was shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, beaten by prisoners, blinded on the road to Damascus. All that kind of stuff happened to him, and he writes two-thirds of the Bible. What are we writing? What is the story of our life that we're writing? Going from glory to glory. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. And all of those things keep renewing our mind so that we can be used then to help other people which is exactly what God wants us to do. And really, honey, what you just shared a, a moment ago, that is Joshua 1.8. When God spoke to Joshua, Joshua was a young guy. Well, he wasn't young, but he was the understudy for Moses. And, and, and God said, look, if you will meditate the Word of God day and night, you will make your way prosperous and you will make your way successful. That has not changed from the book of Joshua to the present. You know, um, if you think about it, and just, you know, those of you that are here tonight, How many of you know people who five years ago were very strong in the things of God, walking with God, doing, I mean, living the word, and then they're not anymore? How many of you know people three years ago that were strong, and then now, where where are they? It says in the word of God, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of his return, will not come unless the falling away comes first that's my greatest concern in the body of christ is the number of people that uh, even since we started this church 25 years ago that were strong that today uh now if you run into them they say they attend here say you what? they say they attend here oh. yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know because i've made the mistake of saying Oh, uh, where are you today? Where, where are you, you know, where are you at? Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm part of victory. And I'm thinking, really? Wow. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I, but, but this is, this is deception. Everybody say deception. 
Because in the day we're living in, this is the day where you do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't come here to church because we're the pastors. I come because we need to be with people who believe. And we need to connect with people who believe. But I've watched over the years and the sphere of influence of those that I connected with, not just in this city, but because we were in Tulsa and we were connected to a lot of churches, a lot of those people, they have, they have uh, in the day of adversity, their strength was small. It says that in Proverbs, in the day of adversity. Well, adversity is here big time. Adversity is here from the moment we get out of bed in the morning. You know, uh, my husband does listen to Fox News a lot. I'm telling you, if there, it, it's something every moment of the day. My brother was just here. He's, he's an international lawyer. Uh, he's, he has to go through Istanbul. He has to stay in Istanbul for the next month in and out, going into countries that border Russia. And when he was making his tickets last week right here in the office, every time he'd make a ticket, it would warn him not to go to those places. The world is fragile. The world is explosive. Italy just experienced another big earthquake. I mean, the Bible is being lived out before our eyes. And so, you know, when I look around and I, you know, my husband had said to me once, well, we, you know, they're, they're, the great falling away has to happen. And I'm thinking, I think some of it's already hap happened to people because they gave up and they let go. Everybody say, we can't do it. We cannot do it. No matter what it looks like, we have to hang on to what God says about every situation. And I believe what my husband said. Some situations, I don't know the answer for people, but I do know a scripture that says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know what the word says. We need to hang on to that word. You really do, honey. And God has really been speaking to me. I was just reading some things in here about the Word of God and building up your spirit so that you, and your faith so that you can be bold in proclaiming the Word of God. And do you believe what you see or do you see what you believe? And we've got to get to the point when I see what I believe. I'm not going to be focused on what I'm not seeing even though with our natural eyes we see it. And, and I know this sounds really simple, but without change... Nothing changes. So whatever it is that needs to change in your life, you need to let the Holy Spirit show you. And I know I've shared this time and time again, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, it, just, it just rejuvenated me when I was in Uganda. I just cannot tell you. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that you just feel the power of God and you're saying things that almost you're hearing for the first time? And it's kind of like, oh, God, this is good. Let's keep moving. And driving down that street in Uganda, needing $15,000, not knowing how we're going to do it, and already committing to buy a land cruiser. And we said, we'll give you 15, it was actually $17,500. Brad was with me. And we'll, we'll, we'll give you the money tomorrow morning or that afternoon. I forget exactly how that part worked out. And Brad and I are driving down the street with the guy. I said, where are we going to get the money? And there's a Barclay sign. And I remember saying, I saw a Barclay bank. Let's go in the Barclay bank. And I'm telling you, all I knew was that we were on assignment from God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're on assignment from God. On assignment from God. 
And when we walked into that bank and told that teller, I need $15,000, and she said, do you have an account with us? I said, no, I'm from America, but I need $15,000, and I have a credit card. She says, we only give you $1,000, and I said, I'm on assignment from God. We need $15,000, and she said, just a moment. She left. She came back. She said, okay, we'll do it. The boldness of God will bring forth the miracle-working power of God. And for me, that was a tremendous faith builder to see what happens when you're doing what God tells you to do and the mountains will move. And that's why when Jesus said, you speak to those mountains, they'll be moved. You're on assignment from God doing what God's called you to do. The mountain will move. It may not move on your time frame, and in all probability it won't. But that mountain's going to move, and that mountain will get out of your way. If we will change the way we live our life, and if we will change the way we apply the Word of God to allow the spirit man to be ruled by the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit through our spirit man to rule and renew our mind continually, that we refuse to think anything contrary to the Word of God, it will absolutely change our lives completely. You know, uh, through that whole time of the money coming in for the uh, Sudan project, uh, in, in the church income, uh, the Sudan income's going like this, and the church income's going like this. And so it's like, okay, God. Uh, now, I'm, I'm the one that oversees the money. I don't do it. Heather Harbolt does that. But I'm the one that makes sure all of that, you know, is done and all those reports are right to all the finance people, to the board and everything. And so I'm watching this go down and this goes up. And, uh, you know, the enemy, uh, when you begin to do what God's telling you to do, and I've got Pastor Bill calling me from from Uganda. Uh, we just said we'd buy a truck. Oh, can I interrupt just for a moment? Sure. Thank you. <laughs> I just got news. You remember we were going, uh, the people that were left behind in Ye? Yes. Are, 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 they have no food. They're, there's starvation going on in there. Around. Feed the Hungry just notified me today. The plane loaded with one and a half tons of food is in Entebbe. Fully loaded with fortified rice packets will fly tomorrow morning to yay to be met by Bishop Hillary and armed guard escorting the men for the widows and the children first into yay and into the rest of the community. We need to thank God. Yeah. And and so that cost and then I'm going to shut up. Yeah. That know. was six thousand seven hundred dollars that we didn't have, and we said make the flight. And now, thanks to God, we have all of the money. We need to give the Lord another yes. hand. If you remember that Sunday, Pastor Bill shared about, uh, shared about that and said, um, I told him, yeah, I'll just get an airplane. I'm on the front row thinking, wow, an airplane. I wonder what that, you know, will be. And then, uh, you know, because I, I was an accountant before I was in this. And so I'm, you know, I, I think of those things. And... Uh, and he said, it, it'll come in. Well, all the money has come in for everything we need in the Sudan. And we have money built up to keep sending food to those children every week. $3,000. I mean, it's not cheap to feed them. And, and so $3,000, it's there every week to send to, to feed them. We have, the People have given. The offering we took here that Sunday was 8000 and some dollars, which paid for the first load of food to go in 
for that airplane to take that food in. Feed the hungry, gave us the food. Everybody say, praise God. See, uh, yeah. And so, but I'm looking at the church money. That's what does these other things that need to be done on a weekly basis. And uh, I said, Lord, I just believe that you're big enough. If you're doing all of this for the Sudan, you're big enough to take care of us. And, you know, when, when people aren't uh, working, they're not necessarily able to, I mean, they can't tie. A church reflects what their congregation is. You know, it's not like, I mean, we have a budget, but it's, it's just a guesstimate of what the body will do. So, you know, we just have to put that in the budget. So when we say a budget, that's what the budget is. It isn't like there's a paycheck coming every week for that budget. And so I was praying about it. And, do you know, in, in the midst of all of that, a couple who had given $10,000, they don't even go to this church or anything, they, they, they text us and said, we, we feel to give another 10, which is sitting there waiting to take another load of food. <laughs> the next load of food is already taken care of. Hallelujah. That food. But I'm thinking now, God, we got this money here and we got this. And we move all that money right over into an account just so you know. It all goes into a separate place. It's not in our general fund. And so I'm looking at the general fund, and it isn't looking like it's supposed to look. And out of the blue, but not out of the blue from God, a $30,000 offering came into this church. And the person who gave it, I mean, it was supernatural. It wasn't, you know, it was unexpected gift that came in. And they said, we said, is this for the Sudan? I said, make sure this is what this is for. And they said, just for, for whatever you needed in the church. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, that's the way we live when we don't let go. Because, you know, and, and I, I'm the one, my husband, he, he says, don't tell me. And so, you know, he, he tell the finance committee, tell the board, but you don't have to tell me. Because when you know that the natural things, it's very hard to keep your focus over on the supernatural things. But it's in the supernatural realm where God will be God. It's not going to be in what we can do. It's going to be in what God can do. And for the things that are coming for us to be able to do as a church, I mean, we have done things in this church that a, that a church with 5,000 people may not even be doing. It has nothing to do with the size of the church. It has nothing to do, do with people and their income. It has to do with the faith of the body that says, okay, God, I believe. And everybody does what they're supposed to do, and God multiplies that seed. Everybody should be expecting in this church a great harvest for what you have sown. So that's what I, I want to say to you today. Don't be looking at what you sowed. Look at what your harvest is going to be and expect it. We're to expect that harvest because there's more seed needed to be sown. Amen. And so I share that with you tonight. I, we haven't shared that, but it was just a miracle. It was a miracle of God. Nobody could have ever said that was going to happen. Had no idea anything like that would happen. But God took care of Sudan. After we did what he told us to do with the money for Sudan, he took care of us. Amen? I want to share this scripture before we pray. That's a good word, honey. It's, it's Psalms 37. You know the scripture. But trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in uh, the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will bring it to pass. 
And uh, what the Lord has been showing me, because there was a point in time when I would look at the finances all the time and the attendance all the time, and I felt like in, this, in my spirit, God said, stop looking at the attendance and stop looking at the finances and listen to what I'm telling you to do and just do it. I thought, well, I can do that. And so sometimes I don't look at them because God will always bring to pass what he desires if we're living in the realm of the supernatural or he'll let us take control and do whatever we want. A budget is never God's idea. Now, I know you're going to hear me talk about yeah, everybody should have a budget and everything, but a budget never comes before the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit is all that matters. And when we're doing what God has called us to do, I'll never forget the time we were going through a narrow place in this church. There had been a tragic situation. We were helping a widow and her children in this situation. She attended our church for a long time with her husband, and then she just stopped attending. And we were giving her and sharing with her every week, I think it was, I'm not positive about that, but every week an amount of money. She stopped attending our church and moved up north. Normally, your policy would be just, you know, they don't come to your church anymore. You don't help them benevolently. When I prayed about it, I felt like God said, continue to help that lady. We continued to help that lady. I had people in our financial department at the time who would say, how long are we going to do this? And I said, well, I guess till God stops. We continued, 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 never saw the lady. Went on for several months. One day she came in the church, walked down the hallway, and she said, I don't need any help anymore. I want to thank you for taking care of me and my family. Just wanted to drop off a check here. Didn't even look at the check, prayed with her. She left. After she left, I thought, well, I better do something for the check. Picked up the check. $16,500 she dropped in the church. Now, this was several years ago now, but I felt like the Lord said, if you'll do what I say, we didn't bless her with the money of this church to get a blessing. We blessed her because God said so. You will never know the power that is available to you of being led by the Holy Spirit. Noise, television, radio, technology, cell phones, all this stuff is trying to get your attention. The most important thing in your life is to be led by the Holy Spirit. And once you give your life to be led by the Holy Spirit, your life will change. You won't have to think about figuring things out. All you'll have to do is be a good soldier. Let's all stand. And, you know, that giving then helps us, you know, there's been, uh, we need to pray in our community. There's a lot of single uh, moms coming into our community uh, from all over. And my sister does uh, the benevolence as far as helping people. And uh, she came over to me. She said, well, I'm way over for the month of October. <laughs> I said, well, that's okay. Can't be way over. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're way over budget. It doesn't matter. Uh, sometimes, you know, God will put in your hand what he knows you're going to need. For what's coming but I encourage all of you no matter what it is even if even if it's not a money thing anything that God is asking you to do do it because it is a seed that you're sowing that will build your confidence in God that's the most important thing we can have right now is to be confident in the God who said I will take care of you I will provide for you I will make a way for you. I will heal you. I will deliver you. I will be your king. I will be your Lord. I will be your master. Those, those I wills are promises. And when we do what he tells us to do, we're saying, I believe you. I believe you. No matter how small it is.
You know, I was just thinking about that time in, in Peru when, when Terry Henshaw and I were there, and John was with us, and, and we we're getting ready to pray for people. And I said, how many of you know that God has shown you things to do, but you have not done them? And I had an interpreter, Lima, Peru. I had an interpreter, and it, it looked like every hand went up. And, uh, and I said, okay, let's say it again. And said it again, and every hand went up. And I turned to the interpreter, and I said, am I saying it wrong, or are you saying it wrong? It looks like every hand is going up. He said, no, I'm saying it exactly as you're saying it. And then we did it again, and every hand went up. And, uh, and, and basically, the, the question to the people was, are there things that God has shown you to do that you're not doing? And all of the people, these were Bible school students, by the way, graduating. And, but there's about 300 people there, 400 people there. And it seemed like about every hand was up. And Terry Henshaw afterwards shared with me, he said, you know what? I, j- I just had a revelation as you were talking. He said, really, the problem is not getting God to move and begging God to move. The problem is we're not positioned where we need to be and doing what God's called us to be. And in my prayer journal, time and time again, God will speak to me and say, just make sure you are positioned doing what I've told you to do, and everything else will be taken care of. And I ask you that tonight. Are you positioned? Now, as I said earlier at the start of the service, God loves you. Whether you ever serve God or not, it's not going to change God's love for you. God loves his creation. But can God really trust you? And if you're here tonight and you would say, well, yeah, there are things God's shown me to do that I've not done them. If you had a child, and many of you do probably or have had, that, that you would tell them what you want them to do and time and time again they don't do it, if you're a good parent, you're going to develop a, 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 a trust level challenge with that child and you're not going to continue to bless them because what you will do is enable them. Does that make sense? In other words, you enable a child, you're working with the devil. But when you discipline a child to be obedient to you so that you can trust them, it's because you want to bless that children, that child. All of us want to bless our children. We want to bless our grandchildren. God wants to bless us, but because he loves us so much, he will not bless us the way he wants to bless us if we're not doing what he's told us to do. Would you bow your heads with me?